Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 2 Kings chapter 9 from the World English Bible. Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Put your belt on your waist, take this vial of oil in your hand, and go to Ramoth Gilead. When you come there, find Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his brothers and take him to an inner room. Then take the vial of oil and pour it on his head and say, Yahweh says, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door, flee, and don't wait. So the young man, even the young man, the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. When he came, behold, the captains of the army were sitting. Then he said, I have a message for you, captain. Jehu said, To which of us all? He said, To you, O captain. He arose and went into the house. Then he poured the oil on his head and said to him, Yahweh the God of Israel says, I have anointed you king over the people of Yahweh, even over Israel. You must strike your master Ahab's house, that I may avenge the blood of my servants the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of Yahweh at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab will perish. I will cut off from Ahab everyone who urinates against a wall, both him who is shut up and him who is left at large in Israel. I will make Ahab's house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. The dogs will eat Jezebel on the plot of ground of Jezreel, and there shall be no one to bury her. Then he opened the door and fled. When Jehu came out to the servants of his lord, and one said to him, Is all well? Why did this mad fellow come to you? He said to them, You know the man and how he talks. They said, that is a lie. Tell us now. He said, He said to me, Yahweh says, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then they hurried, and each man took his cloak and put it under him on the top of the stairs, and blew the trumpet, saying, Jehu is king. So Jehu the son of Jehoshaphat the son of Nimshi conspired against Joram. Now Joram was keeping Ramoth Gilead, he and all Israel, because of Hazael king of Syria. But King Joram had returned to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds which the Syrians had given him when he fought with Hazael king of Syria. Jehu said, If this is your thinking, then let no one escape and go out of the city to go to tell it in Jezreel. So Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel, for Joram lay there. Ahaziah king of Judah had come down to see Joram. Now the watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel, and he spied the company of Jehu as he came, and said, I see a company. Joram said, Take a horseman, and send to meet them, and let him say, Is it peace? So one went on horseback to meet him, and said, The king says, Is it peace? Jehu said, What do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. 
the watchman said. The messenger came to them, but he isn't coming back. Then he sent out a second on horseback who came to them and said, The king says, Is it peace? Jehu answered, What do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. The watchman said, He came to them and isn't coming back. The driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. Joram said, Get ready. They got his chariot ready. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot, and they went out to meet Jehu and found him on Naboth, the Jezreelites' land. When Joram saw Jehu, he said, Is it peace, Jehu? He answered, What peace, so long as the prostitution of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft abound? Joram turned his hands and fled and said to Ahaziah, This is treason, Ahaziah. Jehu drew his bow with his full strength and struck Joram between his arms, and the arrow went out at his heart, and he sunk down in his chariot. Then Jehu said to Bidkar, his captain, Pick him up and throw him in the plot of the field of Naboth the Jezreelite. For remember how, when you and I rode together after Ahab his father, Yahweh laid this burden on him. Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, says Yahweh, and I will repay you in this plot of ground, says Yahweh. Now therefore take and cast him onto the plot of ground according to Yahweh's word. But when Ahaziah the king of Judah saw this, he fled by the way of the garden house. Jehu followed after him and said, Strike him also in the chariot. They struck him at the ascent of Gur, which is by Iblium. He fled to Megiddo and died there. His servants carried him in a chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in David's city. In the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah, began to reign over Judah. When Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out at the window. As Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Do you come in peace, Zimri, you murderer of your master? He lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked out at him. He said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. Then he trampled her underfoot. When he had come in, he ate and drank. Then he said, See now to this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. They went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull, the feet, and the palms of her hands. Therefore they came back and told him. He said, This is Yahweh's word, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, The dogs will eat the flesh of Jezebel on the plot of Jezreel, and the body of Jezebel will be as dung on the face of the field on Jezreel's land, so that they won't say, This is Jezebel. That is the end of chapter 9. The opening here seems to indicate that the sons of the prophets were used to, or at least expecting, to have jobs delegated to them, and that gets indicated later when we see Jehu's response. At least this prophet, son of a prophet, was comparatively young. The prophecy was still communicated through Elisha. So the instructions to Elijah in 1 Kings 19.16 are here being carried out. 
And this young man gives heed to all the details of his mission, including fleeing afterward. The questions of Jehu's compatriots are kind of humorous. It seems like they um, have run into this particular young man before. So even though they call him a mad young man, when Jehu says, oh, you know how he is, they said, yeah, we know how he is, so don't lie to us. Which is interesting because that's kind of confrontational. And as soon as he says, I've been anointed king, they humble themselves by putting their clothes down on the ground for him to walk on, basically. Note that Jehu is not descended from the same Jehoshaphat was the king, that was the king of Judah. His father, Jehoshaphat, is the son of Nimshi, but Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, was the son of Asa. And you can see that in 1 Kings chapter 15, verses 9 and 24. We know from other times that God does just strike people dead. We have the instance of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife in Genesis 19. Then we have Judah's two sons, Ur and Onan, in Genesis 38, verses 8 and 9. Then we have Abihu and Nadab in Exodus 28, 1, and Uzzah, who touched the ark, in 2 Samuel 6, 7. And in the New Testament, we even have Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 15, 1 through 10, and Herod Agrippa in Acts 12, 23. But other times, God tells people to carry out justice. Sometimes it seems like a matter of having them take responsibility, as Israel was supposed to for living according to Yahweh's just and loving precepts. And recall, the whole law can be summed up as love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. In the case of kingly succession here, it seems that part of it was those things also, but also to establish him as the next king and a bit of an invitation to continue to heed God's guiding. From start to finish, everyone reacts with fear and respect to Jehu, and everything pictures him as one who is in command and with skills in battle. So if he now has a word from God, he will be even bolder, and you want to be on his side. As we talked about last time, this Ahaziah, the king of Judah, is Ahab's grandson, but he's not in the male line, so he's probably not dying here because of the curse on Ahab's house, but because he is also wicked. Just being in the line of David doesn't guarantee longevity if the king is wicked. Joram seemed to have a concern that Jehu was a possible threat, but not to the proper degree. Not that it would have changed anything. It just gives a glimpse of how Joram and Ahaziah were thinking and didn't really feel as vulnerable as they should have. Word apparently got to Jezebel quickly. Um, she strangely got dressed up for her pending execution, which she feared was coming. Jehu describes her as being involved in prostitution and witchcraft, in case you had any doubts about the kinds of things she was involved in. Then her reference to Zimri, she calls him Zimri like she's calling him a bad name, could have been related to the Zimri in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 9, and that was the king who rose up against Baasha's son, Elah, who was the fourth king of Israel, but then he only reigned seven days, and I think he was the one who ended up burning himself in suicide. So this implies kind of a curse for Jehu as well. Jezebel's eunuchs don't hesitate to throw her down. I just, wow. And Jehu is brutal in trampling her to make sure she's dead. It didn't say she died from the fall. It could have been a horrible death, 
not unlike the stoning she worked out for Naboth. So the prophecy from 1 Kings 21-23 was carried out, which apparently Jehu had heard firsthand, as he mentions in verse 25 that he and his captain had been there under the command of Ahab. And then I did a little math. So Naboth was killed. Three years later, Ahab died in that war. Then his son Ahaziah, not this Ahaziah that we've been reading about here, but his son Ahaziah died after two years, and then this Joram reigned 12 years. So it's basically been 17 years since that prophecy, since they killed Naboth. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 